Yeah. Welcome, welcome to an all-new episode of Full Court Press. It is out of Matt Prince himself. I told you we were coming right back with another one this Friday morning. How is everyone doing today? You know it's a Thursday show. I told you, I told you, I told you that we were going to do a deep dive into the trade deadline. I know it's been a week, but man, have you been paying attention to all the rumors that have been coming out? Yeah, so we're going to discuss that and join with me are two of our co-hosts. You know, it's the head honcho himself, Bari, Brooklyn Bari, as well as the Houston Rockets fanatic, but my fellow LA Rams. Yeah. Brother, how you doing, Pierre? How you doing, Jabari? Talk to the people. You want me to go first? Okay, cool. I'm good, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> February 13th was a great day. If y'all don't know out there, let me remind you, that's when the Rams won a Super Bowl. I repeat, the Rams won a Super Bowl. The Rockets been stressing me out all year, so it feels great that one of my teams finally got it right. You know, nice start to 2022. Uh, Brooklyn Barry, I'm sure. Uh, I, you know, I want to hear how you doing, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's, what's good, my guy? Uh, in comparison to previous episodes, I'm doing great. The Nets are on a two-game winning streak. They're currently ah. playing currently playing on a back-to-back against the Wizards. So we're hoping to make that three. Um, Cam uh, Thomas, huh? <laughs> loving, <laughs> loving my rookie Cam. I'll hey. further elaborate on, on the trade, but so far, so good. Right, right. Uh, don't we motherfucking love it here? Don't we love it? I mean, look, you got two champ champs here, you know? But like... We may not be talking about the NFL right in this podcast, but we're going to spend these moments honoring because Pierre, whose house is it? It's Ram's house, man. Can, can you, for one more time, whose house is it? <laughs> it's Ram's house, baby. Okay. Shout out to all my other fellow Rams fans out there, whether you're yeah. a new one or an old one. Yeah, so just, just want to make sure everybody out there that y'all remember whose house this is. That being said, hey, LA Rams. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Think we need more people like Jabari because it, it was some cats hating out there like, oh, you know, but yeah, that's love right there. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to it, though. Yeah, that being said, so, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everybody who's listening, the first thing we're going to talk, talk about is the biggest, well, the blockbuster trade that, you know, was being speculated about for months now. Hey, and I got to say before we, I stand corrected because the last time I was on here, I said, ah, oh, this shit ain't going to happen. And wow. <laughs> it, it happened. It, it, only, it happened early on on, on yeah. deadline day, too. It yeah. wasn't like it went down to the wire. It, it did get down nah, to the final day, but it was yeah. like one of the first ones of the day. So, Brooklyn, and I, as you guys know, I mentioned that Barry is known as Brooklyn Barry. Yep. Brooklyn Nets send James Harden to Philly in a Ben Simmons swap. That, so what that means is that Brooklyn received Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, a 2022 and 2027 unprotected first-round picks. Meanwhile, Philly received James Harden and Paul Millsap. Gentlemen, how I felt about this. Well, I yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I didn't think the trade would happen, too. I was just like, it just seems so, so messy. And, yeah, you know, 
but if it happens, cool, because I I thought that the Nets would be definitely be winners be just because of what it adds to the team. And I still think that now. But when it happened, I'm like, all right, cool. What did they get? You know, rumor was that Mets wanted uh, Maxi or, yes. or at least Taibule. Um, and it was just a, a matter of like, okay, which one does Philly have to part with? Philly managed not to have to part with either one and instead delivered Seth Curry and um, Andre Drummond. The Seth Curry edition is pretty good. He's been balling this season. Mm-hmm. When Joe Harris out, he's a nice replacement. And then when Joe Harris comes back, that's just more weaponry. But both teams got what they wanted. Philly finally got to move Ben Simmons, and Maury was able to get James Harden, who he's been lusting after. His boyfriend. Yeah, ever since he left <laughs> um, he left uh, being GM. So I'm thinking, like, yes, A, for both sides, but in the long term, especially when it comes to um, the postseason, the Nets are in a better situation because you have a, a – Guy, let's. I know how people feel about Ben Simmons right now, calling him a diva, this, that, and the other. You know, we clown him for not being able to shoot or being afraid to shoot more so than anything and whatnot. But we can't deny that this man has been on the um, all team defense. Uh, yep. I believe first and or second, he's been on his career. He has been in defensive player of the year conversations. And he is one of the best playmakers in the, in the game. You add that to a team that has players who can who can score on their own, you know. You Kyrie can score on his own. We know KD can score on his own. We know oh, yeah. we know um Joe Harris can can score. We know that Seth Curry can score. Blake Griffin can get his buckets. Now you add this to it. Oh, it's just it's a nice puzzle fit because remember before the season we discussed uh possibly well, I don't, we didn't discuss, but the rumor out there was that Ben might go to the Warriors, and it's just like, yo, you put him on Golden State. Perfect, perfect fit, because he got yep. shooters all around. The Nets provide that same thing. So, gentlemen, how did you guys feel about the trade? Yes, I'm going to go because I want Barry to go last. You know, I'm sure he has a, a lot to say, both good and bad. But, like you, yeah, like you I thought, hmm, they got to part with Maxi or Thibault, the fact that they didn't give neither up is a win for Philly because that Matisse is like their best defender on that team. And Maxi's up and coming. He's, you know, he's been getting buckets. But like you said, from a Brooklyn standpoint, I really had to think like, at first I was like, what the hell? Like Brooklyn got ripped off. But then I started thinking about it more and more. And I said, you know what? No, they had, no, they didn't because like Curry is a nice player, for one. He's not Steph. He's not his brother. But let's not act like this man can't get buckets, like you said. Drummond is what Brooklyn kind of needed because Claxton. I mean, you know, the whole center rotation is woman and it's Claxton, then it's Dayron Sharp, Aldridge, and they. I don't. I don't know. Barry may be able to speak on this more than I can. But I don't. I don't know if I would trust Lamarcus Aldridge playing 30, 40 minutes a game at the center position, you know, you add Drummond, who's a great rebounder, a great rim protector, and Ben Simmons kind of, I'm not going to say he has nothing to prove because he doesn't, but, you know, he can kind of use his opportunity to shut some people up. He doesn't have to shoot the ball because you have Kyrie, you have KD, 
once Joe Harris get back, it looks great. So if it does not work out this season, the future is bright for Brooklyn. They didn't lose much. Only thing they lost with Harden is the ability to get his own bath, get his own shot, get others shots. But if you look at Ben Simmons, he's been able to get people, you know, shots. I mean, yeah, he shies away from it at times, but I feel like Brooklyn's gonna be better because you got Kyrie, you got Katie there coaching you up, you know, you know, giving you pep talks here and there. So I feel like with Brooklyn, you know, they did the best they could because, like you said, there was rumors that, oh, Ben Simmons can go here, Ben Simmons can go there. But no, I just want to speak on James Harden a little bit before I turn it to you, Bari, because I saw the same thing in Houston. And he, like, you, you give up on these teams and I don't get it. Like, why would you not want to play with Kyrie? Ky- I was going to say Kyrie. Kyrie and KD, this, despite Ky- uh, Kyrie being part time, but still, when he's there, Let's not act like Kyrie can't get buckets. So I don't know what it is with James Harden. And it's just, it's sad to see now because he lies. Like, one, oh, yeah, you know, I, I want to be here. Oh, you know. And then you you say, oh, you don't say nothing, but then you, there's reports out there, you know, fat man, as uh, Barry called him, Brian, Brian Winhorst. Oh, uh, James Harden is screaming to be traded. And then I watched this man's uh, press conference and he saw, oh, you know, Philly was the first choice. Bro, you you did not say nothing about that before this. You were screaming Brooklyn. You were screaming Brooklyn. You walked into that building. You were happy. You were, quote, unquote, rejuvenated. You was excited. You were with your boy again. And you just leave him out to dry. So I'm hoping Philly sees, you know, this as, hey, we're contenders now. You know, this can get us to the Eastern Conference Finals. Because if they get Embiid rolling, um, continue rolling like he was, and Harden, once he gets back from his hamstring injury, then it looks good. Because you still have Tobias Harris. You still have other pieces. But it's just, I just, I don't know. I can't judge this yet because with Harden, he, it looks good. But then six months from now, he may be screaming he want to go to, you know, Phoenix or somewhere else. And it's just like, Come on, man. Enough got to be enough. You know, at, at a point in time, you got to stop pointing fingers at others and point the finger at yourself. If that report is true, and after this, Barry, I'm going to turn it to you, that KD was trying to move the ball more, you know, find um, an offense that works for everyone, and Harden just more so wanted to do iso ball. We all know, and I'm a, I'm a Rockets fan, I can tell you this, iso ball is not, it's going to win you games but not meaningful games. And Embiid and Harden, that's, ooh, it looks scary, but we all know they can clash and Embiid ain't going to hold back. So I got to say as well, both teams are winners, but like you said, um, a more long-term, Brooklyn is definitely the winner. As a Nets fan, I have a a lot of feelings and and thoughts surrounding this total trade, but to kind of break it down into different, different topics, I guess I'll say. There was a point when I was on this podcast and I was skeptical as far as if a trade would even occur because Harden, obviously, like Pierre said, was sending mixed messages. Um, Nash has said maybe two or three times after games that he wouldn't be traded. And, you know, like you can tell like he was unhappy in sorts, but, you know, like you can't really key it down to what it was about like some had speculation maybe it's Nash because 
a lot of Brooklyn's fan base has problems with, with Coach Nash. And then others felt maybe it's Kyrie because, you know, we weren't we were never pretty much playing at full strength this season because Kyrie wasn't able to play until um, sometime in mid-January. And by that time, KD got injured maybe like a week later, if that. So we really never had time to play at full strength. Um, our others weren't anything to to talk about. And our main role player, Joe Harris, has been out since October. So. It's been a lot on Harden, um, I guess, coming back from an injury, not really rehabbing the injury, having priorities in other places like partying in the offseason with little baby in Paris and shit like that. It's been, you know, it's been hard on him. So <laughs> nobody uh, told that man to party. <laughs> it's It's been hard on him. And if you look at the usage rate of the big three when they play together or when they don't play together, Harden's always on the top of that, despite, you know, him feeling like maybe the offense is primarily focused around KD, and it is, Harden's usage rate is, is extremely high because we, we decided from day one he would be our, our point guard, our distributor. And that doesn't, say, you know, that doesn't mean to say, like, no offense, but, like, the guy that looks to set everyone up and himself up, and he just could never figure it out for some reason, um, which makes me question, like, he, we we have no question that Harden can get assists, but can he actually play point guard? Um, to go back into this trade though, and and trades like this where there's like a superstar and then a star attached to it, there's always short term winners and losers, and and long term winners and losers. And after thinking about it, you can't really call the long term side of it yet, but. If I'm picking a side, I'll say my team, the Nets, we won the long term by far. Um, it, it, I can break that down pretty easily. I don't know how old Harden is. I think he might be like, what, 32 or something like that? Um, yeah, I think he'll be 32 this year. No, 33 this year. 33 this year. Yep. So yep. if he re-ups with Philly for whatever the max would be, four or five years, he's going into being 38 years of age. Paul Millsap only has a a year or two left in him. Um, he wasn't, you know, he was getting Ooh, DMPs for us. I think Millsap got about three months left. <laughs> let's just be honest. <laughs> I, I'm just being, I'm being generous. You know, oh, just, I know. Just, just, you know, if maybe like three hours. Like, <laughs> um, and, and that's, that's all they got in the trade from us. I can't say like, oh, that's a little bit because Harden, you know, is a, a superstar caliber player, but all they got from us was Millsap and Harden. On the other end of it, we got Ben Simmons, who's like 25, right? Um, and in his short career, he's made multiple all-star games, multiple defensive teams. Um, we, we set ourselves up for the future, in a sense, with Ben Simmons if everything goes right, because Kyrie's 30 or, you know, around that area. And I know KD's around 33, 34. So Ben Simmons helps us set up, you know, going into the future. Seth Curry fits our offense he fits what Nash tries to to have our players do um he's a career got to be like what 42 43 percent three-point shooter he's shooting like 40 on the season that's a low for him um he's a great shooter um a great role player a great locker room guy since since he's been here um and we got Andre Drummond I'm not I'm not the biggest Andre Drummond fan um as far as basketball IQ 
goes. I've always had questions about him from the Pistons to Cleveland to LA to being um and beats backup. He hasn't been too bad. He, you know, he hasn't had too much room for error in that role. But in a big role, I've always had questions about Drummond's IQ. He never exactly shot high percentages for his position. And at times he had, you know, free throw shooting problems. So he he doesn't come without issue. But from watching the Nets the first half of the season, one of our biggest issues was crashing the boards and 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 just simple things like rebounding and boxing out, unfortunately. So while I'm not the biggest Drummond fan, he he addresses an actual need in in what we're trying to do. So um if you look at our roster, we had a bunch of forwards who we tout as centers, like Claxton, Lamarcus Aldridge, not a true center. Um, Sharp, maybe a center, but he seems like a forward center hybrid. Um, Blake Griffin's definitely a, a pure forward, and everyone else is a, a forward or smaller. So we have we don't really have anyone that you could consider a true center. We traded DJ away because he was horrible, and we we get a younger guy in Drummond who who's playing he's playing with something to prove if you think about it he only signed I think a one year with Philly so he's going into this summer looking for a contract also so we have guys that are hungry we have guys that seems like they want to be here like KD said um to break down why we want the long term is because of the age of Ben Simmons and because of the fact that we got two unprotected first round picks from them while the first pick may be late 20s or something or whatever, we have a GM that has a history of striking gold in, in the late rounds. You got to remember, um, Cam Thomas is a late 20s pick. Nicholas Claxton is, I think, the last pick in the first round or it's somewhere around that. Um, we got Jared Allen pretty, not that low, but pretty low. We got Chris LeVert pretty low. Um, so... I have faith in Sean Marks with those picks. And because of what I pointed out earlier about James Harden's age, that 2028 pick, or or I think it's 2028 first round pick, that might be a great pick. 2027. 2027, that might be a great pick. And Bede's going to be a little up there in age. James Harden's probably going to be retired because I don't see him playing late into his you know career. Um, That may be a great pick, so. We definitely set us, ourselves up in this trade to, to win the long-term aspect of it. And in the short term, um, since the trades occurred, we're on a two-game winning streak playing the Wizards now. And the last time I saw Philly play, they lost to the Celtics by like 50. So, I mean, granted, Harden didn't play, but that's Ew, all they got man. in that trade was Harden and Millsap. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm definitely taking us as the, as the winners for this trade. Um, and before I, you know, hop on to the next topic, um, I can't not talk about Ben Simmons. You know, the potential lineup we can run with him, if Joe Harris, if Joe Harris doesn't come back, that allows us to run two guards in the backcourt that that are just primarily focused on scoring, like a Kyrie Irving and a Seth Curry, and we don't have to worry about really mismatches because we're running Simmons at the three, running Simmons at the four. Um, KD doesn't always have to guard the best wing player. That's important to what we're trying to do, what we're trying to do, because as we've seen in the playoffs, KD gets tired in the end of games. And, and that's from 
you know, shouldering the main offensive load, but also guarding superstars. And Ben Simmons is a great defensive player. I go as far to say he has more tools defensively than KD. So if we can get him in the in the right headspace to to want to play for this organization and, and want to play for a bigger cause like winning the championship, I still have faith in these in these nets to do something because New York's at an all-time low in um in 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 COVID anything, anything to do with COVID. We're in an all-time low right now as of probably like two hours ago, I saw a notification. Um Adam Silver, the, the commissioner said this. This, this situation with Kyrie doesn't make sense for him being pretty much the only person being affected by it. Um, we're looking hopefully to see change soon. So I'm not really giving up on on, on these nets and, and actually doing something this season. I completely feel that. So, yeah, I mean, there was the, the extracurriculars around it. We saw the excitement from Embiid when the trade happened. He dropped that uh, troll meme. You know, Harden's comments, you know, even then, you know, Kyrie's, the stuff about Kyrie being, the reports about him being really happy, whatnot. Messiness aside, look, they're going to have to see each other and um, they're going to yeah, figure it out. March 10th. Um, in, my, in my moment of pettiness, because, you know, I'm the Matt Prince, look, <laughs> y'all know what the Celtics did to Philly the other night <laughs> while James oh Harden was gosh. on the bench y'all and mind looking you, sad Embiid is one of my favorite non-Celtic players for ma- various reasons you know I-, I love Embiid I really do even if he's on the ops but boy did we manhandle boy, boy, we finished we beat them by like 48 oh mm-hmm. we lord we beat them by 48 and something I, I didn't even get a chance to say is the the type of player I see um Harden as he's always liked to play with um pick and roll centers, athletic centers that run the floor that can catch lobs. You you don't see Embiid as any of that. So hell no. I have I have questions as as far as their pairing goes, you know. I feel that. I feel that completely. So the next uh trade that we want to discuss, we kind of just for those who listened to our previous episode, uh where we interviewed full court press interviewed Travis Demers. Um Shout out to him. He uh, is a play-by-play radio announcer for the Portland Trailblazers. We did share more so the emotional aesthetic aspects of this trade. But for us to get a moment to tap in a little more, Portland Trailblazers sends C.J. McCollum to the New Orleans Pelicans. Look, so the Pelicans received C.J. McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., and Tony Snow. Every time I see Tony Snow's number, I, name, I think <laughs> the of greatest that single man in the, uh, in the <laughs> that, zero, that, that, zero. I can't zero. help it. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Portland Trailblazers received Josh Hart, Mikhail Alexander Walker, Thomas Sadaransky, Diddy Lazuda, Lazada, a 2022 protected first round pick, a 2026 second round pick whichever is better between the teams and a 2027 second round pick, whichever is better between the teams. Jabari. Listen, listen. take it away. Um, Overall, I'll go ahead and say, I understand that CJ needed to be shipped out. If their focus is primarily rebuilding around Dame and also letting, you know, the young guys play like Anthony Simons, who's been amazing lately. 
But I'll say I don't like the trade. I thought that they could have gotten more for CJ. When you look at their return, they flipped Alexander Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Hart's a great role player, so I don't I don't have anything any any problems with that part of the trade. But I'm not high on Sadoransky if he's still there. I don't know if they flipped him. And Didi Lazard is whatever. Now, if you look at the picks, right? The second round picks, yeah, you can do something with second round picks. Um, but the first round picks protected. So it's not even like, okay, you got to look at the pick aspect of it to see the value and what they got for shipping out CJ. CJ's been a trailblazer for I don't know, I don't know how long now, like close to a decade if it hasn't, you know, hit that mark. And um they also shipped out Larry Nance Jr. and, and Snell. So in my opinion, they got a underwhelming return. I questioned the GM a little bit. Um, yeah, I, like I said, I think CJ was going to get dealt regardless, but I think they could have gotten either a better piece to help what they're trying to do now or a better pick combination. And it's not to say that they weren't going to have many suitors for CJ. So I don't. I can't really tell what happened behind the scenes. It, it seems like they were doing some last-minute negotiations and just settled for what they felt was the best offer. Um, I felt like they should have been maybe shopping him um, earlier, like as soon as as soon as they were legally able to do so. And I just, for some reason, I just feel like they didn't do that. So I'm gonna go ahead and say um, I'm not a fan of the trade for the Blazers for the Pelicans because they're so bad. I think you know it's not the worst. It's not the worst trade. Um, if they can get CJ to buy into staying a Pelican and and maybe like in the city of New Orleans, um, it, it's not it's not a bad thing because we don't know what's going to happen in the future about if they're going to retain Zion, if they're going to have Bi going into the future, um, which of who of that young core is going to remain a Pelican? So CJ, you know, CJ shows maybe these other guys that. The, the the management of the Pelicans aren't totally disinterested in doing something. So I'll hand it off to Pierre. Man, it was a sad day because I saw this coming, not this trade to this particular team, but I saw the Blazers moving CJ more than I've seen them moving Dame. I just, you know, you look at this backcourt and it was so successful so for so many years and when I saw the notification that he was, you know, I saw that there was, you know, interest in CJ. I think the Knicks were interested in a few other teams. But when I saw that they moved him to the Pelicans, I'm like, wow. And I, I agree with you, Barry. I feel like the GM was just like, okay, we're running out of time. Let's like, let's, let's do it. Let's go. Okay. You don't want to move him here. Okay, fine. We're going to take what we can get. But you look at this return, the only person really worth talking about who, however, isn't really that much, worth talking about is Josh Hart. You know, he's a nice defender, nice shooter. He He's decent. Is he going to come in and help? Uh, maybe. But Dame, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. I respect his loyalty. I respect him wanting to, you know, put the city of Portland on his back. But you really got to start saying enough is enough. Um, because I don't see how this move helps you going forward. I mean, I know they say they want to build around Dame and they got all this cap space, but who's going to want to come there? Other than being coached by Chauncey Billups, there's no reason to want to play in Portland other than 
you know, the obvious playing with Dame. You look at New Orleans, though, like you said, Barry. Zion, oh, ain't no telling when he's coming back. Brandon Ingram has basically been putting in work. Like you said, he may not want to stay future, uh, for the future. C.J. McCollum, on the other hand, like you said, he, he has that chance to get acclimated with New Orleans. I mean, when you look at New Orleans, it's a nice city. I've never been, you know, realistically, but just from what I hear and what I see, it's a nice city. They have good food, good people. But when you think about New Orleans, you think about the Saints. You know, it's, it's basically a football town. So CJ has the chance to, you know, get these fans into Pelicans basketball. Now, I don't know how much time is left on his deal. I know he resigned, I think it was a year ago or two years ago. Um, I think it was like five years, 80, 90 million or something like that. But this, yeah, I, I was shocked. And this isn't, I can't even call neither one a winner because I don't like the deal neither. It just wasn't something that I, as a GM would have made, I feel like you could have got more and you should have got more. And the fact that you didn't try to is basically everything. Like you're telling Dame one thing, but then you do another thing. Tony Snell, like you said, uh, a <laughs> we all know the meme, the zero, zero, zero. Larry Nance, mm, he's had some bright moments with the Lakers, with the Cavs, but I don't know. Even with Nurkic, like, you got to pay Nurkic, too. Like, that's coming up. Nurkic may not want to be there. You traded Covington, which I'm sure we'll get into as well. But, it's, ah, man, I don't know what the Blazers are doing. Fire sales, all I got to say, because, my God, I, man, you know, I, I don't, like, I play 2K. I know you play 2K, too, Mark. The Pelicans isn't a team that I would pick. With, like regardless <laughs> of this trade, just I mean, when you look at it on paper, you like, oh, CJ and, and Bi, nice. But if Zion was there, it would probably look a little better, you know. But I don't know. And then, like you said, they flip Alexander Walker, who could have been nice in Portland. But yeah, I I have my sentiments are the same as yours. I don't like it. Go ahead, Abe. Look, so, again, I shared some thoughts. I was completely surprised by the CJ move, only because I've always been against um, the idea of getting rid of CJ. But it made sense, especially when you listen to previous episode, Travis uh, breaks it down. They just didn't have the length and whatnot, so you you have to give something to get something, right? Yeah. With in the this, rebuild, it makes it makes sense in the rebuild. Yeah, know? and so what this move has done is, I agree with him as well, is that it's a soft reboot, not a complete rebuild, but a soft reboot that allows you to start to build around um, Dame, but also Simmons, who's been balling and whatnot. So for the future of Portland, like, okay, this is interesting. For now, it doesn't do anything in terms of improving their chances to compete right now. Um they're just going to be playing, letting Simmons continue to take that step forward and to get solid. Um, and as for New Orleans, I, I don't know if this move helps them because they don't. I don't know if Zion is even going to beat it. <laughs> and it's just like, he won't. I, I don't have faith in the Pelicans organization. So I, I just, you know, they did what they think they can do. I feel bad for Willie Green. Like, you know, so that's, it's, it's tough. It's tough, but it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. That being said, the next trade that we want to talk about in this one, 
I'm really glad that we're speaking on this now because uh, Jabari, you know, you and I were talking and I said this was a weird, weird trade that just completely came through unexpected. And that is the Dallas Mavericks trading Christoph Porzingis, a.k.a. the Unicorn, the Ooh. former New York Knicks great, uh, to the Washington Wizards. Washington received Christoph's and a second-round pick. Dallas received Spencer Dinwiddie, who, keep in mind, Ooh. remember the reports about nobody in the Washington locker room liking Dinwiddie anyway, as <laughs> well as uh, Davis, well, Davis, Bertons, maybe Davis, uh, Bertons. Gentlemen, I was, like I said, I was throwing off. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, and what made it worse is that because, again, like I mentioned, you know, even though it was in jest, the Christoph Rodriguez being known as the unicorn, well, that is his nickname, but being known as a former New York great was because when he was drafted, I remember where I was on that draft. I was in college. Um, it was the summer, of course. Uh, you know, I was sit chilling with friends on campus and they were Knicks fans. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to what this is going to be, especially for myself. <laughs> we'll see what of course, Chris Hoss gets drafted and I just look at my, my neck friends friends and they just they just the look of horror concern confusion anger I was just like damn but then I and you hear all the reports of the rules I'm like damn but this guy could be nice like you know Phil Jackson that was honestly at the moment he took a swing <laughs> one decent thing he did one of the decent very few decent things he did and I'm here thinking that eh, it could work out, but we'll see. But, of course, not many were happy with it. That being said, the way he came in, being booed and whatnot, and then he started playing in New York, and people were like, wait, okay, this guy is nice. There were flaws definitely in his game, such as his lack of just being able to rebound efficiently uh, for a big man. I mean, he's seven a seven-footer because he was averaging like six, seven rebounds a game. It's like, man, you could do more than that, right? But just the aura, the hype, the the pressure, the focus that was spent on him, for him to be traded for Spencer Dinwiddie just doesn't compute to me, you know? (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) damn, how far are you falling? Like, (laughs) you went from a rising star to where people are like, you know what, next, Phil Jackson, that was a decent move because I remember people were like, "Yo, we we had, we sat on this Christoph trend before it all went to hell because you don't want to be in the issues, the off the court issues that were happening before all that went to hell." It was like, "Okay, this guy's gonna be the next, you know, next good great thing for the Knicks." Again, what the hell is this? <laughs> what the hell is this? I don't understand, <laughs> especially in terms of, uh, to be fair, okay. I'm going to audible it real quick because we have to combine it with the next trade too since Washington was busy. Um, I was so confused as to why this move is being made, but then Washington also continued to make some more moves and they traded Montrez Harrell to Charlotte for Vernon Casey. Yeah. For Vernon Casey Jr. and Ish Smith. So it was like, okay, you got rid of one of your bigs, but you're adding another one who doesn't <laughs> like 
Oh, and then Dinwiddie, who wasn't having the best time in in Washington anyway, isn't apparently liked and whatnot. He's now in Dallas, and you're just like, what? <laughs> so, Bari, talk to me. What what was what were your thoughts about this move? Because I was stunned. You feel me? So, in that in that KP part of of Washington's dealings that day, um. I wasn't surprised that they were getting ready to part ways with Przingis. And I did see a show this morning that was saying that, you know, it does take a wise GM to know when to part ways with a player before it gets too late or before his value further depreciates. But when you look at the return they got, they pretty much got two role players back. Um, You have to pretty much hope with Spencer Dinwiddie that you're getting um, a better product during than what the Wizards got because they were all in on him summertime and bailed halfway through the season because he's he, he was that bad for them. So in his first game, because they're currently playing right now, actually, but in his first game with um, Dallas, they got a win, but he only logged four points. He did have five assists with no turnovers, a steal and two rebounds, and he played like 23 minutes. Um, so, yeah, you know, the important part is they got the win, but He's been underwhelming this year, and his first start wasn't any different. Not start, but his first um, play with his new team wasn't any different. The Bertans part of the deal, he's a great role player for, you know, anyone that you, decides to use him right. He's always been a great shooter. Um, in, half, in almost half the amount of time that Dinwiddie played in their first game, he put like 13 minutes, um, and he had 13 points in 13 minutes. He was four for, sorry, three for seven from three, three rebounds and an assist. Um, you know, so he shot 40-something from three and definitely is a player that Luca probably would like to play with because, you know, all you got to do is kick out and and Luca's going to attract, the, you know, the defenders anyway. So I like the fact that they got players that can help them continue to try to win games. I do think that they could have attempted to get a bigger package for Porzingis. So when I look at what Washington gave up, I, I like I think I like the trade for both teams because Washington didn't really have to give up much. They got back a second round pick for whatever reason. I don't really know why Dallas had to give up a second round pick to give up Przingis, but um, Washington got back a second round pick and KP. And when he's healthy, he doesn't really have much competition in that um in that front court because that front court consists of uh, with Trez being traded, it can it now consists of Thomas Bryant, who just returned off of an ACL injury or something like that, and Daniel Gafford, who was decent at the beginning of the season, but he's undersized. So I don't know if they'll try to get him to play together with one of those guys or what, because KP obviously can stretch the floor. I like it for both teams. Um, the Wizards have been more trending downwards so hopefully when KP comes back from injury when he when he debuts hopefully you see more of like a Knicks KP in comparison to the role player Dallas KP that we were viewing as for the 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 Montrezl trade real quick um I don't really understand the trade for the Wizards because I think that they did a decent job at debuting like uh what Tres can do in comparison to where he was you know before 
it, it seemed like he was having a resurgence. I'm not saying I don't understand why you trade him, but their package in return wasn't, you know, wasn't anything special. On the other end, um, the Hornets gave up two players that they didn't really need, and they got back exactly what they did need because um, Mason Plumlee, sometimes he's good, sometimes he's not, and it's good to have an option um, when he isn't great. And also, Mason Plumlee's more like a defensive-minded big, and he's been having a free-throw shooting problem, and Trez is an offensive-minded big and, you know, can knock on his free-throws most of the time, so... He's had a great debut. I don't really have the stats next to me, but I know he put up like 20 or something like that in his Hornets debut, and he's been consistent since. So um, I understand why the Hornets sought out Trez. It makes sense to me. With the Wizards, I, I felt like they could have, um, you know, gotten a little bit better on, on, on the return for Trez if they maybe they were limited to the amount of suitors that they had. So I'll probably just leave it at that. But with the KP part, um, like I said, I like it for both teams, but you just got to hope it works out. Ali Bill was healthy. I would love this trade for the Wizards. But my only question is, you have Rui Hachimura, you drafted Denny, uh, Denny Avdia, and you still have Thomas Bryant, you still have Gafford. Where the hell does Ingus fit into all of this? Do you play him at the five? Do you play, like, do you play Hachimura at the three? Then you still have Kuzma, too. So... I am just like, whoa. Like, when I saw it, I was like, wow. And then you go get Ish Smith. Why? I don't know. Uh, Vernon Carey, I don't know if he's ever logged any time with the Hornets other than Summer League. So I don't know what he can do. But the Harrow part, I love it for the, for the Hornets. I love it. You get a high-energy guy, a rim runner. It's going to Harrow. You still got Bridges there. You still got PJ. Zeller's been out. Like you said, Plumlee's defensive-minded. So the Hornets, they did good. And then you give uh, more minutes to Booknight now because you got Ish Smith out of there, who essentially, I know he killed the Lakers one. I think he had like 25 against the Lakers. But, I mean, it's the Lakers, so it's not that hard to do, even though I can't talk because I'm a Rockets fan. Just stating the obvious here. But Dinwiddie in Dallas. Oh, um, Dallas is guard heavy. You have Luca, you have Trey Burke, you have Jalen Brunson, you have Hardaway Jr., who's a guard slash forward. Um, you have Sterling Brown. Uh, I don't know if Finney Smith is more of a forward. And then you look at, like you said, Bertans is great for Luca. Driving kick, Bertans is going to knock it down, maybe 45% of the time. I just. Don't think it's enough for Dallas to get over the hump. Uh, as far as Dinwiddie goes, he had all this hype coming around. You know, he, oh, he's coming back from an ACL. Oh, Brooklyn should have kept him. And he signs with Washington, and he stinks it up there. With Dallas, I, I, I don't see the fit. Um, I'm more so like, uh, I'm, I'm in waiting see mode. Because like you said, that first game that he had, with the, he just looked timid out there. Like, okay, what do I do? Like, Okay, do I just give the ball to Luca all the time and let him make plays? Or do I, like he just couldn't figure it out. Great that he didn't have any turnovers, but we all know that that's Luca's team. As far as Porzingis goes, before um, we move on, we do know they say he's debuting after the All Star break, and I'm just curious to see what they do because Thomas Bryan is former. You know, he's 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 decent, but 
Porzingis kind of has a chance to redeem himself because if you look at that past postseason that he had, everybody was ready to write him off. Oh, get him out of here. Porzingis, oh, he don't want to be here no more. But then he said, oh, no, I do want to be here. And you you finally move him. And you just – hopefully it pays off. But for the Hornets, for the most part, it's going to pay off. They're up and coming. Um, Trez is, what, 28, 29, I believe? Maybe younger. But we've we've seen with the Lakers, with the Clippers, even he had flashes with the Rockets that he comes to play each and every night. I mean, he may run his mouth a bit, but the Hornets, some Hornets already call him a locker room guy, uh, leader in this, that, and that. So it's, it, it's looking good for the Hornets. Maybe – not this year, but you know, long because I think Trash has like a what three year, twenty five million dollar deal or something like that. So, if they can keep all these guys together in um, Charlotte, it will definitely pay off. Most stuff, most stuff. So we all see what happens. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about it all is we have the half, the second half of the season to see how this looks like, and the off season to see if any more moves get made, and the next season to see what you make of it. Right? Another team that's been busy. This is the Indiana Indiana Pacers. They they were busy. So this <sighs> is a, a two-part trade because they made separate moves, but we're gonna uh, talk about them equally since again, Pacers. The Indiana Pacers trade DeMontis Sabonis to Sacramento for Tyrese Halliburton. Sacramento Kings received DeMontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, and a 2023 pick. Meanwhile, the Pacers received Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson, who was waived and has since signed with Chicago. That was the first move. Then Indiana also traded Karis LeVert to Cleveland. Indiana received Ricky Rubio, who's his expiring contract because we all know Ricky Rubio is done for the season. A lottery-protected 2022 first-round and two second-round picks. Cleveland received Karis LeVert and a 2022 second-round pick. Okay. So just going back to the first trade that they made with the Kings, that, Ty- that Tyrese Halliburton move was – it has been rumored that they were moving, but no one really thought they would. Thought it was just all talk. I know? sure as hell didn't. And Tyrese Halliburton and the team didn't think it was going to happen too because when it happened – it came out that Tyrese was shocked and he cried. He he was he was torn up because he thought he was brought to Sacramento to help build something and he was all in for it. And how often can you say that a Kings player was all in to to, to build for this? <laughs> you know, like this was completely off guard. I mean, Kings fans were losing their minds because everybody was so Man, upset. So it's like what the I hell? I wish I had that thread in front of me. Right? It was like, what the hell? But meanwhile, I, I, I strongly feel that Indiana made the wrong move in trading Sabonis over Turner because Turner hasn't been always available, but Sabonis has been a pleasant surprise. And you guys, and they paid them an extension because of that. And he's been balling, but it's just, okay. All right. I mean, if you want to, then they ship Karis Levert. That, that's that second move threw me off too because at this point it's just all right you guys are just doing a whole a whole reset that's what <laughs> that's what's going on in indiana y'all resetting the com- entire roster and getting players that rick carlisle most mm-hmm. hopefully that he he really wants for this squad 
Okay, cool. You stand Karis Levert to the Cavs. The Cavs who have been on, who've been a pleasant surprise this season and who have been eaten, and you give them Karis Levert? Cleveland won this trade by far, and I won't say that Indiana Facts. lost it because clearly Rick Carlisle is trying to build his roster the way he wants it. So, of course, that's it's a win if it's what he ends up wanting. It's a win for them. I can't call it a loss because we have yet to see what it's going to manifest from it. Mm-hmm. But damn, <laughs> Kings, y'all effed up, and Cavs, y'all continue eating. Woo, man. Um. When I first saw the trade, I said, well, damn, what, what about um, Duarte? Like, you drafted this man, and he's been playing great. Like, you just going to come bring Halliburton in over him? But then I'm looking at it, and I'm like, you know what? A backcourt of Brogdon and Halliburton, that's going to be nice. Buddy Hill, they got to figure out if this man is a guard or a forward because it, it's a great piece to have in, in Indiana. Along with my boy Lance Stevenson, who they re- they signed for the rest of the year, they did trade the wrong guy. And don't get me—I love Miles Turner. I'm not a Texas University fan, but you know, just being from Texas, I, you know, I just love everything that Miles Turner represents. However, this man cannot stay on the court, like you said. It's either a foot injury or hell, I think it's it's all foot injuries with this man. But when he's on the when he's on the floor, one of the best rim protectors out there. But now that he's out, I mean, you trust Goga Batazde? I think he just got hurt um, last night. They're guard heavy, and with Rick Carlisle, like you said, we know how he is. Maybe Rick Carlisle wants to run that three guard rotation, but they definitely should not have moved Levert, especially to a team like Cleveland. I mean, you got Garland, you got uh, Okoro. Kevin Love has been like reborn. Um, Markinen, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, like Cleveland. I'm I'm shocked, and I got to give it up because JB Bickerstaff. You know what I'm saying? He was a former Rockets assistant coach, and you know he he's paid his dues, and he did it the right way. And now he has his own team. And what are they like the third, fourth, fifth seed, something like that, right now in the East? And they're taking this the season by radar and i i gotta kind of say i stand corrected because i was like you know what if there's a team that's gonna fall off it's gonna be cleveland and i'm here to say i was wrong because you go get Karis levert to add what you already got oh my god now as far as sacramento goes you you get sabonis but before this before they made their other move which i'm sure we'll get to later i'm like sabonis and bagley what the hell like this is not going to work. To be honest, you spit in this man's face because Halliburton was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm here to change the Kings culture. I want to be that franchise guy. And midway through his second year, you just ship him out. Now, nothing against De'Aaron Fox because he's one of the fastest guys in the league. He can get, he can get his spots. He can get other spots. But, oh, I, I am shocked. Tristan Thompson. Got bought out. He's going to Chicago. Oh, that's going to be crazy because him and Kanye are going to run into each other a few times. I mean, it's about to be bananas in Chicago. We already see the season the Bulls is having, so much needed move for the Bulls. But we're here to talk about this trade and Indiana. Ooh, I 
I don't know. TJ Warren is still out as well. So what are you hoping to get from this? Are you just doing this to make money? Nobody want to play in Indiana. I'm just being real. Unless Halliburton averages miraculous numbers next season and TJ Warren somehow comes back strong because TJ Warren was like the bubble MVP. You know what I mean? He put Indiana on his back and was he was hooping. We already know what Brogdon, we know what we get with him. But I just I, I don't trust Miles Turner for more than what 55 games a year right now. And it's crazy because he's so young and he wants this big contract. And he does, you know, from a skill set standpoint, he deserves it. But being on a you know, you have to get this contract, you have to be on the court. You're hurting your team when you're not on the court more than you're helping them. So the only team that's set up right now for success is Cleveland because you get Levert on a team-friendly deal. Um, we know what he can do. And Ricky Rubio, he's out, so you clear that that cap. But Indiana, I just <laughs> – I just I, – I couldn't – I had to look at my phone like four times like, wait, what did y'all just do? Kings were Kings were super busy because there was another trade that did that you reminded me when you mentioned Bagley. So also, oh yes, yes, the yes. Kings did a fourteen trade with the Los Angeles Clippers, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Detroit Pistons. So the Pistons received Marvin Bagley, so he is out of Sacramento, which makes yeah, it but a bit Detroit? easier. Well, hmm. the Clippers received <laughs> Semi Ojeleye, former Celtics. And Rodney Hood <laughs> from uh, <laughs> from they received man. <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> I'm trying to read. <laughs> the Bucks received Sergi Baca from the Clippers, and the Kings got Dante Divincenzo from the Bucks, as well as Josh Jackson and Trey Lyles. So I a lot of pieces believe. were moved. Okay, I so I cannot believe the Bucks traded Divincenzo. Yeah, so again, just to reiterate to make it clear, because there were a lot of names that I mentioned and a lot of laughter. The Pistons received Marvin Bagley, the Clippers received Semi Ojeleye, as well as Rodney Hood. The Bucks received Sergi Baca, and the Kings received Dante Divincenzo, Josh Jackson, and Trey Lyles. So again, the Kings were super busy. So it's just like, all right. You're, so at this point, you've got Dante, Josh Jackson, Trey Lyles. You also have um, DeMonte Sabonis, and you got rid of uh, Halliburton, you know, Tyree Halliburton. <laughs> I was just like. Exactly. It's just like, oh. They okay. said, we want to we want a former champion. Let's go since, get Dante. As well as Brady Howe. So, yeah, Jabari, take it up. Since you just brought Please up that, that trade with the Kings and Bucks and Clippers or whatever, I can just go through that real quick. Um, the Bucks pretty much, they've, I can't say they've given up on DiVincenzo, but with the play of um, like Pat Connaughton, maybe Jordan Nora when he's gotten minutes, that's made DiVincenzo more expendable. And in that swap, they get back size, which they lack because yes. it seems like Brooke Lopez may be out for the season. And Bobby Portis, while he's played, you know, up and down, he's played pretty, you know, good for what they've asked him to do. He's still undersized. So you get back a little size and strength in, um, in Sergi Baca if, if it plays out, you know, in, in the Bucks' favor. And the, um, 
and the last part of that that trade I'll address is just the Bagley part because all those other players is just whatever. But Bagley getting out of Sacramento is great for for him. Um, he was a lottery pick, and he deserves to at least show what he can do under a different regime, so to speak. His his father was was extremely happy at the news when he, <laughs> when he realized his son was getting out of Sacramento. Um, and he was so happy he posted a Christian Wood jersey. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I don't I don't have you know Bagley stats with in his first game with the Pistons nearby, but I know he they connected, Cade I think connected on a lob with him, and it, it, there's room for him to to make an impact in Detroit. Not just because they're bad, but since Kelly Olynyk went out with injury and came back, he hasn't been pretty good. And Isaiah Stewart is just, you know, he's whatever. So um, there's Ever definitely room. Hit from LeBron. <laughs> there's definitely room, you know, for, for him to make an impact and the other young guy in Lyles to make an impact in Detroit too. So to move on to the um the bigger part of 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 the trade what, what Indiana was doing, um Abe expanded a little bit on Halliburton's feelings when he realized that he was getting traded and I actually heard him speak on it this morning because he was on um, the show with Richard Jefferson, Malika Andrews, and a few others this morning. And he said he, he initially thought it was a joke. His agent called him maybe an hour, 30 minutes to an hour before it happened and said that this was a possibility. And he thought it was a joke. And then an hour later it was confirmed. So an hour later it was confirmed. So um, honestly, it was between um it was between Fox and Halliburton and they picked they picked Fox and it's 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 a blessing in disguise for Halliburton because because um honestly the Kings are a terrible organization. They they're historically have been an, an, an organization that hasn't developed talent right, that hasn't, you know, been exactly accurate with the type of players that they need in drafts and and picking those players. So yeah, I honestly I think it's a blessing for Halliburton because he's definitely gonna get more burn in Indiana. And in his first few games, we're seeing that. In his debut, he scored 23 points, six assists, three rebounds. Um, and since then he's been averaging pretty much 20. He's been averaging 2021 um in the in the five, six games he's had since he's been traded. Uh, just to address something Pierre said earlier with Duarte, I don't think they, they actually given up on Duarte. I think they view him more as like a combo guard or as a two guard because in Halliburton's debut game, they started together. Um, and the only reason they're not starting together right now is because Duarte went out with a toe injury and they decided right. to hold him. They decided to hold him out until after the all-star break. So, you know, Buddy Heels had a chance to start at the two. In the first game together, they had a one-two-three combination of um, Halliburton, and Dorte, and Heald. So I think they'll experiment, but I think definitely going into the future, they're high on Dorte, which is a big reason why they decided to give up on Levert, because you know you have Dorte on a rookie deal and Levert signed. So I'll get into that Levert situation in a second, but I definitely love this trade for Indiana. Indiana, like Pierre said, is not an ideal location, but they have more, they have more of a, a expanded role for Halliburton, so to speak, than Sacramento could have offered with Halliburton playing 
with and behind Fox. Um, they're definitely willing to give the keys to Tyrese um, as their, their, their point guard going into the future. And it seems like they, they have their future backcourt. So there's just a few more questions if they're keeping miles going into the offseason, if not. But they also on the low traded for one of the Phoenix's backups named um, Jalen Smith, who he, he, he hasn't been pretty bad um, for them since since they traded for him. So I do think Indiana set themselves. Oh, has he? I don't know, because I know Goga. Goga starts every now and again. Yeah. But Goga is Goga's just a, a, a filler pretty much at this point. So. There, there's a lot of room for <laughs> these young guys to shine in Indiana, despite, you know, not being an ideal location. Um, if they're about their basketball, there's a lot of, of, of room for them to show what they can do. On Sacramento's end, they got the Monta Sabonis, sorry, Jeremy Lamb, Holiday, and a pick. I can't say I like it for Sacramento. I do like Sabonis as a player, but they have a lot of, of bigs that, that pretty much are just there. And, and they didn't get rid of all of them. They got rid of TT, obviously, as we, as we said, and they did get rid of Bagley. But you trade for Sabonis, your starting center for most of the year was Rashawn Holmes, who's now your backup. You have- um, Should have been traded. Definitely should have been traded. And then you have Metu, who, who started some games at the four, started some games at the five. He's come off the bench. Um, and now it seems like he's just a rotational piece off the bench for them, along with Holmes. So, um, uh, like I like I said, I like Sabonis, but I, I'm not a fan of getting rid of Tyrese. I don't see why you you draft him just to get rid of him and have him get used to the city. You know, it's just you know, I don't know. Sacramento plays chess in weird ways, and usually they don't win the chess game. So, I'm not a fan of the organization. I'm not a fan of how they handled that situation. And though I'm far from an Indiana fan, I'm just happy for Tyrese to have a, a new start in that situation. Um, to move on to the uh, Levert part of the situation, like you guys said, you love it for Cleveland. And, you know, Levert being a former net, uh, I'm very high on his ability and, and, and all the things that he can do. I do love it for Cleveland but I understand it for Indiana with them acquiring Halliburton um, with them having Dorte that they just drafted. Like they still have Brogdon, like Pierre said, they stay, they have a lot of guards, a lot of, of guys that play similar positions and to be able to offload that contract because Indiana has a lot of young guys that they don't really have to pay like that to offload the one contract where you're paying somebody something and knowing that you're not going to give him the role that he wants is great because you get back Ricky Rubio's expiring contract, a lottery protected first, and then two second round picks. So they definitely got back assets for, for Levert, you know? So I'll leave it at that. Absolutely. Like, like we said, Sacramento is busy, but I don't know what the hell they was doing. You know, I don't, I don't know what the vision is. And I love what you said the most, Jabari, Brooklyn Barry. <laughs> the Kings... <laughs> are making chess moves, but they always usually lose the chess match. So well, they lost the, this one. at some point is it's the definition of insanity, the repetition of something expecting it to change. And it doesn't, they're taking so many L's. I'm so sorry, Kings fans. Y'all don't deserve this. 
now we get to speak about a team that I that I like to talk about and one that has been paying dividends too. That is the Boston Celtics. My <laughs> Celtics decided to make a move at the trade deadline. And for the first time, well, actually, I was kind of confused by it, but it was needed, and then it immediately saw dividends. So the Boston Celtics went uh, went all in on Derek White from San Antonio. San Antonio Spurs received Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, a 2022 first round, it's top four protected, and a potential first round pick swap in 2028. Meanwhile, the Celtics received Derek White. Very simple, simple trade. And here's what I loved about it on multiple levels. First of all, let's talk off the court, but still on the team. We're going to talk the front office, the the higher-ups. We gave up a top four protected first-round pick. As many of you may or may not know, the current decision maker amongst the uh, within the organization, it is not Danny Ainge. It is Brad Stevens. For those familiar with Danny Ainge, he loved horror picks. And don't get me wrong, I stood beside him. I made sure I stood beside him. Because I believe that he was trying to build something and some of his moves were, were I mean, that's how we got Marcus Smart, how we got Brown, Tatum, it, it, Time Lord. I enjoyed the move, right? But he did have a very unhealthy obsession with hoarding draft picks. Brad Stevens in his first year is like, yeah, fuck them picks. I don't need them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get rid of this. We're going to go get a ball handler, a playmaker who doesn't need the who doesn't need to score, who can play defense, but is also a facilitator. And we got Derek White. Now, getting rid of Dennis Schroeder. Oh, thank goodness. I was happy about it. Getting rid of Romeo Langford is like, look, we got it, we got hella guards. <laughs> Someone had to be moved. And it looks like the management and the team believes in. Aaron Nesmith more than Romeo Langford. It is what it is. It's tough. Bro. First game. Not even 24 hours after he got traded. My man plays. And he's hella efficient. Hella productive. We, it was part of our nine-game win streak that saw three 30-point road wins. Second game. Hella disruptive on the defense alongside Marcus Smart. And the funny thing is, he's shooting terribly from three <laughs> during, since he's arrived. I think he was shooting like two of 13 as of yesterday. You know, he's, 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 the efficiency isn't there from three ball. But you know what's there? The playmaking. The defensive prowess. And it is paying dividends, especially since we always talk, you know, the media always talks about, hey, Jalen and Jason, they can coexist. No, you're going to have to move one of them, most likely Jalen Brown, yada, yada, yada. But it's more so about you just need to build around them. You need to add pieces to them. One of the pieces that we need, because right now we no longer need a big man. We don't. Time Lord is our big man. He is our big man of the future. That man is leading the league in offensive and defensive rating. My man, it should be in defensive player of the year conversation with the way he's been blocking shots, the way he's playing efficient basketball. 
He, if he's not in defense player of the year conversations, y'all just some haters. I don't need, I don't say he needs to be your number one pick. <laughs> but if he's not top five, maybe top three, you, you, y'all some hating ass motherfuckers right here. And I don't mean you and my host. I'm talking to y'all, the motherfucking listeners. Y'all some hating ass people. I'm talking to you, Sammy. <laughs> hating ass people. But that being said, we got Derek White and it's fitting well. We also, another move that we did make is that we got Daniel Dice back. I'm happy to have him. I was content with seeing him go, but I'm happy to have him because one thing's for sure, and if you need to watch previous Celtics games to see it, Daniel Dice would go up against players bigger and better than him. Mm-hmm. And he would, he would put, he was 100% effort. He would always put effort because if you remember those matchups against the 76ers, Embiid had his number. But he did not back down from Embiid. And some of it was just Embiid's other supernatural ability with his expert footwork to draw fouls. But Dice would always, he would bang in there with the best of them. So we get to bring him back. I appreciate that because Robert, Time Lord, isn't always healthy. So I appreciate that. It's nice to have that back. And he's making a bit more money too, you know? So it's... Celtics have this natural, uncanny way to to move players and then to bring them back. I.e., Al Horford, for example, you know, it if you decide to to bring him back, et cetera, et cetera, right? But I truly, truly enjoyed this trade. And what made it so funny as well is that I would always joke with Osan, you know, one half of the Osan A podcast, a contributor to the Full Court Press podcast, also a co-host with Brian Lewis, another contributor of the Full Court Press mm-hmm. podcast, who run reformed hooligans our soccer podcast look y'all we working we got so many podcasts on the sssw umbrella we working everybody got hands and something whether it's on the um in behind the screen in terms of the computer screen or even behind the mic just working backstage so we're all working together i always joke with osan that like yo we'll give you dennis schroeder for free for free we'll give it to you for free you don't, we don't even want Westbrook. You, but instead, you, you gave him to me. But, but we gave him to the Rockets, right? But still, you know what's great? You know what's great? The fact that we did trade Dennis Schroeder to the Rockets to get Daniel Dice back, but the fact that the Lakers actually did try to trade for Dennis Schroeder, and they were willing to give us <laughs> – they were they were like, yo, look, 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 we throw some picks in there. You know, y'all, y'all want to – y'all bite you? We need Dennis Schroeder back. And Brad Stevens is like, no, because I have something better I can do with Dennis Schroeder. And why would I want to help the Lakers anyway? So, Osan, my, my, my joke almost was prophecy, almost came into existence. You're welcome. Man. Pierre, talk on, talk on this, on this Celtic show. I only got a few things to say before I turn it over to you, Mari. I love the Derek White pick for Boston. He used to kill the Rockets, but it's obvious this it's obvious that the job, the point guard job in San Antonio belongs to DeJounte Murray. So you had to move Derek White because yeah, he was getting playing time, but he's capable of being a starter. Uh, you guys try to give us goddamn Enos freedom. And my sentiments in the chat exactly was I don't want no damn freedom. And five minutes later he was waived because I don't want his ass. He's too political for me. We don't need that on the Rockets. Dennis Schroeder had a great game against the Suns. 
he really had a good game. He's, I believe he's starting again tonight. Well, he's starting again. We playing the Clippers on the back-to-back. So I am curious to see what, you know, he looks like since KPJ is out with illness. I don't know if it's a mental illness or just an illness. Forgive me, but I'm just tired of having 15 wins. But for Boston, man, Boston has been playing really good as of late. And they are starting to hit a groove. And Derek White could be that missing piece going forward, you know, into the postseason. Thankfully, Marcus Smart's injury was not that severe because it looked worse than what it actually is. You know, you still got Jalen Brown there. You still got Tatum there. You bring Daniel Tice back. I hated to lose Daniel Tice, but with the play of Shangun, it was obvious because Daniel Tice was getting a lot of DMPs in Houston. So Tice is going to, you know, provide some nice minutes and rim protecting and rim running all that for Boston to go along with Time Lord once he gets either in foul trouble or on a night where he just doesn't have it going. So great deal for Boston. Um, Houston, I don't know. What are you doing? Because you traded for Schroeder and you still have John Wall just sitting there. But I guess you just want the expiring contract. As far as the Lakers go, I think we'll get there later. But, yeah, they did try to get Schroeder in. Boston said, mm, why would we help you? Even Schroeder, why would you want to go back there after the whole contract tobacco? But go ahead, Barry. That's all I got to say. Um, With this Boston-San Antonio swap, or trade, I should say, I, I like it for both teams. Um, San Antonio has a lot of young, productive players. And, you know, Derek White's been around for a little while now. Uh, they have Kelton Johnson. They got DeJounte Murray. They have guys. They're not going to really miss White too much. So to get a respectable package back in the form of a player that can contribute in Josh Richardson, who, you know, isn't too old, you get back a young player in Romeo Langford, and then you get, what, two picks or something like that. It's, it's, a, it's a decent package. It's not an overpay for White, but it's not under underpaying either. It's, it's about right. So I like it for both teams. Um, San Antonio, they're, they're looking more towards the future. For what Boston's trying to do, I love the trade for them because Derek White, you know, he's a productive player. And like Abe said, he's not just about scoring. He, he's a two-way player. He definitely plays defense. And you could see his impact immediately when he got to Boston. Um, they were, I think, already on a streak. And he just pretty much helped them continue winning games for another pretty much up until last night where they did, you know, lose their 10 game winning streak to the Pistons. Um, And obviously he didn't have his best game there, but all his other games playing close to like 30 minutes on average, he's been pretty productive and he's what they needed, what they probably wanted out of shoulder, but couldn't get. Um, So it definitely makes sense for Boston and for San Antonio. And you know mm-hmm. what else, too, Bari, too? And I forgot to mention this because I was so excited and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But in that first game that he played, again, which was less than 24 hours after being traded, so it was just bang, bang, get off the plane. You you in the facility, here's your uniform. You see the trainer, you, you're playing right now, right? Mm-hmm. He has been in our closing lineups in every game. Which is vital. That says which a lot. Is, it, it, it speaks absolute volumes to 
the trust that Ime has in Derek White, but also to just the thought process that Brad Stevens had when he made this move. He he was looking for someone to plug in now. Someone Listen, to break to be a force I'll, now. I'll further elaborate on to the ties and, and how this breaks down. Um, this is not just coincidence. And I'll I'll say that by saying um Derek White has been a spur for a while. So he he definitely played for Emmy Aduka or Doka, sorry, when he was an assistant in San Antonio. Um, that's the first thing there. The second thing is he played with Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum in the world in the 2019 World Cup. So he's played for Adoka. He's played in the 2019 World Cup with um with with Smart, Brown, and Tatum. Um, and though White grew up in Colorado and was a Nuggets fan growing up, his father is a Celtics fan and a Red Sox fan and a JoJo White diehard. So he has a lot of ties to uh, the core of the Celtics team. He has a lot of ties to the coach of the Celtics team. Um, and, and he couldn't stop hearing about the Celtics growing up from his dad. So this isn't just coincidence that he's productive with this team. He's not going to be perfect every game, as evidenced by the Pistons game last night. But no player is, so it's 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 a great trade for for both teams here. Yeah, and I'm also very happy that uh, we remove we got rid of Ennis Freedom because he was annoying me too with the. <laughs> um, so that's why you know when I mentioned, oh yeah, Celtics have a knack of bringing players back. I didn't mention him because free, I don't free freedom. Remember. I'm I'm glad he's out of the Celtic system. I'm not really a fan of him either. And before yeah. I even finish, um, real quick, real quick, to get Thice back is is great because I think you guys have injuries at that position. And though you have Time Lord, you know, Thice is familiar with that Celtic system. Exactly. He played played with the Celtics for um what three years? Pretty mm-hmm. much most of his NBA experience has been with the Celtics. So to come back and play with some of these young, these guys that were young before that, you know, have matured now, mm-hmm. it, it's definitely a more seamless puggling than a random build, big would be. And like Pierre said, you know, he, was, he wasn't doing much in, with the Rockets yeah. and Sengen's been, you know, their guy. So it makes sense. Absolutely. It does. And so in closing, I don't want no damn freedom. Then uh, the final trade of the, that we'll discuss has to do with a team that we've talked about before, and we're going to mention another player that we talked about before, but that is Utah participates in a three-team trade with Portland and San Antonio. The Jazz received Nickel Nickel Alexander-Walker via Portland, who Portland had just traded for, remember, we spoke on that earlier, and Juancho Heron-Gomez from San Antonio. Portland receives Joe Ingles, who is currently out for the season, Elijah Hughes, both players are from Utah, as well as a second-round pick from Utah. Meanwhile, San Antonio receives Thomas Sadoransky, who Portland had traded for. So essentially, Portland traded for both uh, Nikhil and Thomas to then flip them. And the Spurs also received a second round pick from Utah. So it looks like they swapped uh, uh, seconds. Well, no, no, I apologize. 
the Spurs receive the second round pick from Utah. At this point, you know, I was still so excited about the Celtics trade. I didn't really pay much attention to this. Although I, I just, I will say I felt kind of, and people are going to be like, boy, you're a Celtics fan. You can't feel this stuff away. After what y'all did to IT, look, I understood, and I'm actually with those who are, I know Austin gets a lot of flack for what happened to IT. I, I understand. I, I agree with you guys. You guys are right with how you feel. But I also understand why business did it. So I understand why business did this to Joe Ingles, but damn, it's like, damn, Joe Ingles, who, you know, he's not Spider, he's not Gobert, but he's been a crucial contributor to this Utah Jazz team for him to get injured. And you're like, all right, deuces. It's just, it's a cold game, but it just reminds you, it's a cold game. At the end of the day, this is business. So <laughs> that's tough. But Mari, speak on, speak on this three-team trade. It's funny you say, you know, about the Joe Engel side and it being business. I know a, a fan of the the Utah Jazz. You know him, too. His name's Jeffrey Flagg. He's a teacher out in California, and he's been a Utah Jazz fan for, I think you said, either 46 or 48 years. So that's a long time. Um, he didn't like the idea of them just parting ways with Engels the minute he gets injured because of, of how much work Joe Ingles has done for the team and for Utah in general. Um, he definitely wasn't a fan of the move. And though I could maybe justify it and telling him, you know, Joe Ingles is on an expiring deal. Um, he could, you know, possibly return to Utah in the future. What they end up getting is Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who it seems like they have no intentions of actually breaking him into the rotation much. So it seems like he's more of a future project. And Hernan Gomez, I, I honestly haven't been paying attention to that part um, of, you know, if they've been using him. But I know outside of Gobert, they have um, uh, a young big, and then they have Whiteside, who have been pretty much getting their minutes. So I don't know how much Hernan Gomez is intended on playing or whatever. So, yeah, it, it's it, I understand the business deal of it. I felt like maybe they could have gotten a first, a late first or something. They weren't, you know, it seems like they were more intent on just getting something back for him before his deal expires. Um, and especially with him, the type of injury, I don't know if it was a torn ACL or MCL or something, but it's something where he's going to be out for a while. And we also have to remember Joe Ingles is like 34, 35. He's not a young guy. So I do understand both sides of it. Um, I'll say that about that part. For... The Blazers return in that package. Like I said, Ingles' deal is expiring, so I don't know what their intentions are there. Elijah Hughes is um, a Blazer now. I don't know if he'll be able to break rotation or if they intend on keeping him going towards the future. And they got a second-round pick. So they just got a, a whatever return. I guess you can't, you can't look and say um, they were looking to get a great return because these are two players, like Abe said, that they just got and – you know, ended up flipping. And Sadoransky, like I said earlier, I forgot he was traded again. But either way, I'm not a fan of him. But he goes to a Spurs system, which I'm, and I've always been a, a big fan of, and Popovich in general, who I, quick sidebar, I, th I believe Pop just moved into second place of all time for wins. But for Saddle to move into that system, if he does manage to pick up any minutes, um, I have confidence in, and pop using him to his fullest so 
that three-team trade, pretty underwhelming trade. It's not anything that will result in any big waves going around or anything like that. Um, it is what it is at that point. It's just teams trying to make little moves before the deadline. See, Joe, Ingles leave Utah like this because it was one of the players in Utah that I really watched. And despite Utah giving the Rockets problems for years, Ingles was a hell of a shooter. Didn't he break a record last season? I believe he broke a record last season. I think he's like the all-time leader in three-pointers for Utah. I believe it's him. Might be Bodanovich, but I believe it's Joe Ingles. When I seen the injury, I was like, oh, man. Um, but Utah didn't lose a step. You add um, Alexander Walker, not the one you want to have, but if he's anything like his cousin, it's a great move for you. On the Portland forefront, though, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. You should have kept uh, Alexander Walker, but I mean, I guess the Ingles contract allows you to have that expiring money on your books. That way, you can try to persuade a free agent to buy into what you're trying to build over there, but Utah should have made more moves. We've seen the turmoil with them about, oh, they were upset about the trade deadline, but there's some teams that should have made moves. I don't know if we're going to save it for another day or not, but Utah shouldn't hang their head too high. You're still up there, um, one through five. You're still in contention for it, so stay the course and see what happens. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we opened this episode talking about the Rams and celebrating them. And I felt it right that we close, you know, at least mentioning them. And, Barry, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> during the Rams parade, the celebration parade that was on Wednesday, you know, Les Need was wearing a, uh, a shirt. Rams said, GM. He's the Rams GM. wearing a shirt that said FM Picks, you know, because, as you know, the Rams – don't have a first round pick until like 2099, the 99, the 99. Because we gave up everything to get Matt Stafford from Detroit in exchange for golf and like all of our first round picks for several generations to come. As a result, there was a meme going around with Cronky's face, with, I mean, excuse me, Les Snead's face saying FM picks. He wore that shirt in celebration of the parade. Iconic moment. LeBron James subtweeted about that pick, um, or quote tweeted, I apologize, and said, that's my type of guy. Now, as we all know here, and as you may know here, a team that we did not really discuss much, except for when I was trolling Osahan, was the Lakers, who people expected to make moves, especially given the state of the team at the moment. The Lakers did not make any moves. There was that proposed move for Dennis Schroeder, but apparently Palinka did not want to throw picks in there. Bari, speak on it. Listen. To further elaborate on to what Abe just said, the Lakers were unwilling to part with their 2027 first round pick. A pick that likely doesn't benefit any of the players they got now to win now, which are obviously a 30, what, six, 37? I don't know. An old LeBron James 
and an aging, aging like milk, Anthony Davis. Um, <laughs> milk. <laughs> uh, what I'm saying is they were unwilling to part with that 2027 first round pick. And as a result, we don't know what the exact details of the talks were, but like Abe said, they didn't. Um, they weren't able to get Schroeder. And it seems like at points they were talking about trying to swap Westbrook for a wall and no, possibly, no, no, no. possibly Christian Wood. I was I was hearing Wall's name, I was hearing Christian Wood's name. All I know at all I know for a fact is trade trade talks broke down because they were unable to or unwilling to part with that 2027 first round pick. So in light of that happening, obviously we, we you know we've mentioned a few times now the Rams won the Super Bowl and and with the Rams GM wearing that shirt and LeBron retweeting Fledging my type of guy and with the recent actions of his or recent no actions of his GM what we're calling it is we're calling it like LeBron's pretty much subbing his GM he's subbing Rob Palenka um and it's pretty clear to me it doesn't seem like it's slight it's pretty clear to me Rob Palenka is hasn't been a GM for long he was he was under Magic Johnson former agent of Kobe Bryant and a few other players uh LeBron King James is not happy with his GM and shortly after that AD goes down with an injury you know just to speak on that and he's out for another two weeks so things are not good in La La Land things won't ever be good in La La Land I'm so glad we didn't make this trade for Westbrook because I did not want his ass back and now the fact that I heard Christian Wood was added to this oh my god what 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 could the Lakers have offered us for for Christian Wood? I don't want Anthony in, Davis. In my opinion, nothing. And exactly, they, it wasn't going to so, be Anthony um, Davis. So I don't know what they would have had to throw in. What like the hell were we THT and a pick? But no. THT conflicts with like every player you have. So. Exactly. He's not. Yeah. No. I'm, oh, I'm so glad we didn't do it. Yeah, the Lakers, man. I don't. I don't. I'm not a Laker fan, but living in the household for the Laker fans, they've been having a head downs as of late. Everybody wants AD gone. But LeBron, um, here's the thing with, with, with what you're saying, because you're not getting any younger. You, you continue to mortgage the future in LA, and it's not paying off. So why would you not want your GM to keep your draft picks? You don't have very much of them. But they, they, they mortgage their entire team to build it around you. And as we are seeing right now, it is not working. They're one serious injury away from missing the playoffs. Thankfully, and I'm only saying this because I don't like injuries, Anthony Davis' injury is not severe. It, it looked like it was. I thought it was broke. But a sprain, uh, don't rush this man back. I don't know if he needs to change his shoes, his routine. I don't know what it is. But to end on a lighter note, if you guys haven't seen the Atheon Crockett video of him imitating Anthony Davis getting hurt, Please go check it out because that is some funny shit. I got to check it out. But Anthony Davis, man, you need to get stronger. I'm going to drop it in the chat for y'all. Don't worry. You need to get stronger. Um, I can't say the weight room because you claim when you got married, this is the, the oh, this is the strongest I've ever been. I feel good. This, that, and that. But I don't know what it is. I just think this man got his money and he just doesn't care. But the Lakers are in serious trouble. 
the buyout market is around the corner, but I don't know if that's going to help them either because I don't really see, their, see it being too many buyouts this season. Will John Wall get bought out? I'm going to go on the limb and say he will. I, it probably won't happen, but I feel like it will. With Schroeder being there now, I feel like it will. Or maybe Schroeder will get bought out. Who knows? But like you said, Barry, and a La La Land is in trouble. And we're not talking about the Rams nor the Dodgers or sometimes the Clippers, but the Lakers. They, <laughs> they're definitely in trouble. If y'all can see Ave right now, y'all will be laughing. But yeah, that's all I got to say about this segment. So, ladies and gentlemen, as you heard, this was a, a very fun um, just episode reacting and kind of just diving deep into some of the trade news that happened at this uh, trade deadline in the aftermath, including off the court as well as buyouts and stuff like that. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out. Uh, you know, again, Full Court Press, you can give us a rating. Give us a five-star rating. Five-star. Pasta. and uh, just share us with your friends family we appreciate it look forward to hearing from y'all look forward to talking to y'all next week Deuce. peace yeah.